What's going on, everybody? It's your man, Bless. I got my co-host to the left, let me know. And this is the Moment of Truth podcast. This week, we have a very special guest, the big homie, an old friend of mine, but not an old guy, Neil Substance Group. Thank you very much for coming on, my brother. Welcome back to Montreal. Thank it's been you. a minute. Yeah, thank you. It has been a minute. It's been and, a minute. And thank you for... Um reaching out and actually this was like it's almost meant to happen because it was, it was like timing. you can be in montreal soon in two days we had chatted like a couple months back i think just before the holidays and i'd reached out to neil and i was like yo i gotta have you on because i know not only are you a wealth of knowledge but you know you've been in the game like as long as i have and you've always been one of those guys who are consistent and a stand-up guy and a man of their word and that's why you've had the longevity longevity you've had right? so we're supposed to like him uh, I like him. Okay, you just making sure. Like <laughs> but uh, I've accepted the fact that at this age, like at my age now, it's okay if people don't like me. Yeah. You know what I mean? A lot like of people I, haven't liked Bless sure. over the years. Hey, man, but you know what? I think when we were younger, you, you fight to be accepted. Yeah, of and you, you fight to sort of have people love you, but then you get to the point you're like, man, I don't give a shit. Because you think like you're doing something wrong if everybody doesn't fuck with you. And it's the opposite. I agree. If everybody likes you, you're doing something wrong. I agree because, you know, success has to breed controversy. So if nobody's talking shit about you, you're not moving forward. Yeah. So that being said, I reached out to, 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 to Neil as one of the first people I wanted to get on. And I was like, any chance you're going to be in Montreal anytime soon? He was like, I have no idea. So the holidays pass. We drop a couple episodes and randomly I'm like, let me see what the next month or two looks like. And he's like, actually, I'm there the day after tomorrow, but only in the day. Can we make it work? So... It was meant to be. Yeah, man. I, I, um, we can get into it later, but I had an event last night in Ottawa for Black History Month with Kiki Palmer. Nice. And then um, I'm doing an event here in Montreal, April 8th, for uh, it's a charitable event I do for people with autism. It's a yep. job fair. Nice. So I went to go speak to some of the people I have involved in it and go to the venue, do a walkthrough and all that. So I was literally just going to come in and, and sort of bounce. Then I got a call funny from you, obviously, but yeah. um, then AJ, our friend AJ. Yeah, shout out AJ. Shout out the whole old uh, Echo team Echo at Imperial Distribution. It was, yeah, yes. Group Imperial. Yes, Group Imperial. We're the first... Uh, people who ever sponsored me when I got my first no. deal when I was a kid, I was one of the first. I think I was the first English artist they were sponsoring, if not one of the first. You know, she's a, she would be a dope person to get on this podcast because she's got some stories. Well, actually, me and her have some stories together <laughs> where we <laughs> went to go. New York to shoot an ad campaign for a brand that they had me and Guru. Yeah. And then we just had a ball in New York. Guru, like. <laughs> Took us out and it ended up a big after party in the hotel. And That's AJ. Yeah, I'm sure. I'll save those stories for when she comes on. But yeah, we had a lot of fun. And the whole uh, Echo group was like so supportive of the hip hop scene in the early days in the city. Um, and you know, you remember like anybody yeah. who was anybody was sponsored by Echo. They were good people, man. Yeah, they were supporting the culture but for sure. I was fortunate enough to get in early on that roster. And literally, you know, they saw me through my uh, high school into uh, into early 20s they kept me fresh her, do, so do you know her husband um I, I i don't know him personally i've heard the name but i mean like it's been a f quite a few years since since you know echo i don't know if they well, dissolved or what the story is i'm sure they're pushing other brands but yeah so i think group imperial dissolved i think that sort of went south echo, echo's still around it's such a big a big big machine they had it was there. it was plant. Yeah, yeah 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 it was like an entire city remember going remember like going into their warehouse and they'd be like this like 
I don't know how many thousands of feet of warehouse. And it was like, what do you guys want? Just pick. And you're literally like bro, just picking bags full bro, of clothes. We would wow. pull the car in up, the back in the garage. Up to with the, the loading dock. The dock, yeah. And they would have to have like the people who work in the Was factory. this their, their main office? Yeah. Yes. There was well, the distribution. Distribution for Canada. Okay. For Canada. Canada. So it was a plant. And they were doing, I think, some manufacturing for other stuff there, but they, were, they yeah. just warehoused there. Huh. And yo, like a dozen industrial garbage bags they're helping me throw it in the trunk <laughs> we just taking shit that doesn't even fit, fit. Like, <laughs> just fuck it we're taking it yeah it, this, this is mind you this is 15 years ago or so approximately give or take when there was money and they were making tens of millions right there was still a schmata business that, yeah and it was, that was doing for stuff them. because i think according and correct me if i'm wrong but according to their like agreement with the american counterpart they had to spend a certain percentage of sales on marketing right so Maybe this that. i think was the best way for them to do it it cost them pennies you know and they just was like take what if if, if you're on right. tv or whatever take you're it. popping take whatever you know yeah. you need and um but you know we definitely reciprocated like every tour we did you remember when i did the lloyd banks tour with i opened for uh lloyd banks when he did his solo album with who kid you must have done some I'm, of i was the gonna parties. say like you yes, must have like i was probably involved in, somehow yeah so they were cool enough like they they sponsored my leg of the whole tour and like that I just, wasn't the who that was sorry that was with who kid okay, lloyd no. banks hunger for more tour that his, wasn't his the tour where he album. beat up those promoters and chris hines and them you heard about that story? Yeah, I did, I did. but I know that one. I'm not gonna lie; I drank a lot in those years. <laughs> so, and you know, even if I had been there, I, I wouldn't say. No, I'm just no, no. I'm saying like, if you remember that story, but couldn't happen to a nicer guy getting stomped on. And the best part is, Chris sued them, called my boy saying, "I just won the G Unit lottery," thinking he was gonna win a lawsuit because they stomped him out, yeah. and he actually lost the case. Oh. and Lloyd Banks got didn't even get anything for for stomping him out but in banks's defense i'm sure he i'm sure like chris is a super nice guy but like no he's no chris is a, a scumbag oh chris is a scumbag <laughs> yeah yeah chris hines is a scumbag. oh i thought you said you couldn't happen to a nice guy you're being sarcastic I, I oh yeah you. i was being okay so that's where i was gonna go because as i knew them touring with them they were all gentlemen to they totally. were all cool as hell so i'm sure they had a super legit reason and i'm sure the reason was him them getting fucked the reason why is the, i'll tell you the reason why listen you want a guy who's gonna tell it like it is that i'm right here Please, chris, here. chris and his partner raheem what they did is they had a room key to uh, to Lloyd Banks's room. When Banks went to go to the venue, they took they went to the room, took the key into the room, and took the money that they gave him the deposit for the payment for the show. They robbed him. They so robbed Obviously, him. they're gonna. So what they did is they found they out. They there's cameras, right? So they found out. So Lloyd Banks is like, yo yo, come come talk to me in the room for a minute. And Lloyd Banks had two or three guys. When I was I was well deserved. In, I'll never forget this. I was in Las Vegas and people sent me pictures because it was on the news i didn't i couldn't even recognize his, chris's face wow it was, they, they got him good until people said yo dude that's chris hines and i looked and just knowing chris because he's a piece of garbage i was like <laughs> i know even though i wasn't in that situation that he deserved what he got and then as things came out it was like that's what happened so in retrospect it definitely wasn't that tour because that's a huge story i would have yeah, that yeah, resonated yeah. no no yeah it wasn't because who kid wasn't on that tour yeah that that would have resonated but um why was i talking about the lloyd banks tour free stuff there you we're go talking about free stuff. they were cool enough to sponsor that whole tour and it was so convenient you just brought a suitcase of echo sweatsuits every night fresh sweatsuit let me that's let life uniform 
it's comfortable. I'm a cartoon character. I wear the same thing every day. I get dressed up for this show. <laughs> <laughs> this is fantastic. If you invite him to your wedding, Funny. he's going to dress this like this. Respect. Right? I go into business meetings like this, bro. It's Horace. sweatpants every day. Dude, I was at a gala last night. I think I had the same outfit. On. Like, yeah, I'm the same, like, dude. Jordan's I'm kind of mad, like, though, because the style now is you could wear, like, tight sweatpants in clubs and shit. And I'm like, dude, I've been doing that. They have to sneak me in through the kitchen to go see but I Dead doubt Mouse your, or whoever. But you know? I doubt your sweatpants were tight. Or clean. No, they were clean. <laughs> I, I've been, I've been, I've, like they've said, like I can't come into a club. I got a Jordan tracksuit on that I just bought. Yeah, fresh, that was old know? school bouncers, right? They were yeah, like, like, guys, come on. You know what? It's funny because I, um, back in Toronto, there's the big club king is Charles Caboose. And you know who's a very good friend of mine who you must know uh, from working with Charles, I'm sure, over the years? Helen. Oh, Helen's the homie. Helen's the homie. Helen, yes. Helen used to be my neighbor. Like she lived like just down the street growing Helen up. Helen do, guys? What does Helen do? Uh, he Helen, just said Helen. For Helen, the is, Helen used to run, run tribe. tribe. Yeah. Okay. She was, I, I believe, the owner. And um, well, great, great girl. Yeah. And, and she, she was, was partners with a few people. <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's all. And uh, and, um, and then Helen moved back to Toronto to kind of be the right hand to Charles, who owns government. And clubs, he's, right? he, he, he used to own government, but he owns like the, well, what's called Rebel, and he's got ten restaurants, a hotel. Like he's he actually owns the Société here in Montreal. Oh, wow. That's at the bottom of the Lowe's. He's the king. He's the guru. He's the man. Cool. So I've worked with him for over 20 years. And another really humble guy, also on the team, an, an OG Montrealer, Talal. Yes, Talal is a Montrealer. Yes. Yes. So Montreal definitely has successfully infiltrated the hierarchy of Montreal, of uh, Toronto, Toronto nightlife. No, no, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And they're always so great. They always take care of us whenever we're there. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, you're right. I was there for, um, at Rebel, we did an event. Um, shout out my, my homie Adrian from DMD. You know Adrian Strong? My guy, Adrian Strong, of course. Adrian's the homie. Um, another guy. Who I'm loving these shout outs, by the way. I started it's like with. Every third sentence is, yo, shout out. Yo, this is a great. Yeah, this is the Toronto love. You see, a lot of people don't know. Like, I've been coming to Toronto since I was a kid for music. So, like, basically, like at this point, I almost grew up with these guys. And, and I feel the same way. It's funny because as I was driving here, like, so my my dad's from Montreal. So as a kid, when I was just as long as I can remember, I'd come to Montreal to see my grandmother and my uncles, and so I'd be coming to Montreal. But Montreal is like a second home to me. Like I like even like I'm driving Montreal. I don't need directions. I know Saint Denis, right. Saint Laurent, like forty <laughs> this that. So I know my way around the city enough like this is a second home. Like Absolutely. I come here with my homies and they're like, how did you know how to get here? I'm like, bro, you just, I've been here enough. Right? Yeah, of Just course. like him. Yeah. You just get certain cities. You just. I know Toronto like the back of my hand. When I'm there, like I bump into people everywhere I go. Dude, I, like, I don't know if you remember this, mm. but I came to Montreal. This is in the last 10 years, but I had come on just a low-key weekend with my kids, you know, and I was like, let me just come kick it. Didn't call anyone, tell them I was in town. I was just staying downtown by, I think, wherever, somewhere off St. Catherine. I was walking and I bumped into you on the street. Very possible. Just I, like literally just, I was, you were like, yo. And of course, <laughs> bless, bless his heart. Literally the hustler that he is. He's like, what are you doing, man? Listen, what are you doing a bit? I got some shit I'm working on. I need you to come here. Man. <laughs> he's, taking, he's taking you somewhere for sure. And I was like, and I was like, I love this guy, but this is why I didn't tell him when I was in town. <laughs> I need it to wasn't my, a work trip. I, I need to give my kids these two days because right. I haven't seen them in two weeks. Of course. <laughs> no, but I, I Do remember. you remember when you came to pick me up from a hotel in Toronto? It was Carabana weekend. And this had to be like 
early 2000s, okay. 04, 05, sure. maybe. And we went out. We had a crazy night. I can't remember where you took me, but it was Caravana Weekend. And then we ended up at some Chinese restaurant. Okay. Usually. Yeah. yeah, after hours. But I remember we had a, we had a crazy wild night. And that I, wasn't the year. I'm just curious, but I did this big Caravana party called Caravana Connected. And my, my, my concept was to work with the promoter from every city within driving distance of Toronto. So I promoted, I teamed up with, in Detroit, a promoter and a DJ. It's very possible. So that year, I promoted with two legends of the month. My, so I had Detroit, I think there was London, Ontario, there was Ottawa, and there was Montreal. Who was right. the Montreal? <laughs> two legends. Who? Ricky the, D? Gary. Ricky D. Shout out Ricky. And um, Jess. Oh, okay. Both, both, okay. both the homies. Those R were just Ricky's like, the dude, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so shout out Jess, of course. And it was funny because... Um, Ricky's just like he's one of the guys I'm gonna remember on my deathbed. Just laugh. I'm just gonna have a laugh. Like I'll have a laugh. He's right? a larger than life he's character. The, and I just remember going like this because I had seen like about ten homies outside the club, and I looked at Ricky, and I go, Ricky, I go, I'm gonna point to you, telling them that this is your party and that like I'm working for you tonight, and just just shake your head and say no, they can't come in. <laughs> That's it. Just just do one of those like no head nods, right? So I walk over, yo, what's good, man? They're like, yo, man, it's your party, man. Right, look, get us in. I'm like, no, nah, man. I go, look, my boy hired me to help just get the word out in Toronto, but it, it's his club. I'm like, is this guy right here? So I look over and I wink. I turn around. I wink at Ricky. <laughs> like, this is a typical Ricky D story. I go, Ricky, is there any way we can get my friends? Neil, what did I tell you? They can't come in. None of this shit. Get inside. And he went like. He starts bitching like, like he as if you're his worker. I think, no, no. Remember we talked before the cameras came on about when people trying your shit? There's like a delusion. Yeah. I think he went back and really thought this was real. <laughs> I was like, bro, you just had to say, no, they can't come he in. He had like PTSD from, <laughs> yeah. from you know, decades yeah. of, of, uh, of dealing with these Ricky, uh, these Ricky bastards. Like, like, they believed it. Like, you, know, I, but you know, Ricky is one of those guys, man, he could sell water to a well, you know, like he is like a natural born OG hustler. Like, you know what I mean? Like, like realistically, like his character is perfect for what he does. You He's know a character. Saying? It is I, I, he's one of the reasons why I don't have a home phone. <laughs> I fair, I fair. did. I'll, I'll tell you a funny story. I did a show back in early 2000s. It was D12 and we did Toronto, Montreal. I gave him the Montreal show. I did the Toronto show. This is when they were actually like popping and like we sold out three, 4,000 tickets in Toronto. I think we did Dome in Montreal. Dome. And, yeah. Me and Sane used to have the Friday. We had a hip hop night. I remember that, bro. Yeah, Come yeah, on. I'll yeah. tell you a funny story about Sane too. So, uh, Ricky, um, I had dealt with who had the uh, the clothing line, Andrea, and um, what's his name? The the shady clothing, who was shady clothing? You know him, yes, yes, yes. He had the ponytail, ah, anyways. So, Junior, she, no, it wasn't Junior, it wasn't, wasn't junior? junior. I don't know, why I forget his name, but there was Andrea who worked there, and this other guy, anyways, he had a bunch of brands. He oh. Had, I know exactly. He had the brand 5'4". Five, 5'4 four five, four clothing. That's the I know one. Yes, that's Tannen it. Bomb. Tannen Bomb. That's it. <laughs> Good job, guys. Woo. Yes. So he used to sponsor me too. Yes, yes, So yes. he, so I do this, this D12. I remember this to this day and I know if Ricky was sitting, actually me and Ricky didn't talk for a while because of it. Me and him are mad cool now and Ricky would probably give you his version. Mm -hmm. But here's really what happened and you guys know Ricky so you know my version is the truth. <laughs> Ricky called him is it, was his, what was his first name now? I don't know why I'm forgetting his name. Tannenbaum. Um, I, I, anyway, Ricky calls him and says, I'm doing this D12 show. Can you sponsor it? 
I called him saying, I'm doing a D12 show in Toronto. Can you sponsor it? Mm -hmm. He's like, well, Ricky called me saying he's doing I said, yeah. I said, well, actually, they're both my shows, but I sold the Montreal show to Ricky. So that's his show and I'm doing this. Mm -hmm. He goes, I'm going to tell you something, Neil. He goes, I'm going to sponsor the shows, but I'm not dealing with Ricky D. Why? He's like, I don't want the headache. <laughs> he's like, so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you the money and you disperse the money how you want for the shows. And he gave me five thousand mm. dollars. So God is my witness. I go. I call Ricky. I go. I got twenty five hundred bucks for your show. Ricky, in his delusion, no <laughs> disrespect, Ricky, if you're watching this. <laughs> he, um, might. he very well might. Because you're my homie, not because I'm scared of you. Um, <laughs> but no, but no, serious. Ricky had asked them Direct. for like, yeah, directly. For like five grand. So he thought I took his money, jacked it, and gave him half and kept 2500 for myself. Oh, okay. I got you. Where you're being a nice guy working the deal, giving him half. But you, I'm like, it was so, just a misunderstanding, though. But it was Ricky jumping to conclusions because okay. the whole thing could have been cleared up because I said, listen, I said, they don't want to deal with you because of the headaches that are associated with it. And because I'm the one who actually has a tour, I'm selling you the Montreal show. It's all coming through me. But I'm splitting it 50-50. Like, yeah, you're being very honest. I'm not trying to you're take You're being very forthcoming. But Ricky, and this is, again, 12, 13, 14, 15 years ago, he was so upset that he didn't want to hear it. I was like trying to tell him, let's get on a three-way call so you can hear it from them. That they gave right. me five, and we went 50-50 on it. Mm -hmm. But he was so irate that like, I come home one day. This is a long time ago. <laughs> And like, I play the answering machine and this is back when you had voice message on your phone and you're actually listening to it, right? Right. The recorded. Like 03. I think it's like 03 or 04. I think I've had a voicemail for like 10 years. I haven't set it up yet. <laughs> right? right? No, this was the tape recorder. No, I know. I know, I know. <laughs> and I play the messages and he leaves two messages just yelling and swearing Fuck. at me. <laughs> I'm like, Calm and it was my Ricky. home phone. <laughs> You know, I have kids, wife, everything. I'm like, oh my God. And I was like, okay, well, we slowly over time, it just, that that, that incident made me realize I don't need a home phone because I'm not having this, right? Well, if Ricky is checking this out, you are welcome to come on uh, as a guest. Give us the other side. And give us your <laughs> yeah. side. Because I'm sure there's a perfectly logical reason he got irate, but. Uh, no, Ricky's the homie, man. We, we are, we talk, we still talk to this day. In fact, though, when, I do, guy. when I do call Ricky, I have to make sure I have an hour available because the calls with ricky don't right but i love that and you know what all jokes aside like that shows his passion for what he does yeah you know oh I mean? no ricky's and ricky's definitely he's a know, misunderstood sort of like um passionate dude. i think he's a guy who was ahead of his time i think he's a guy that had he been in new york or another environment would have would have would have like thrived like a puff you know, 100%. it's just, unfortunately, I, we move at such a slower pace in Montreal and there was almost no infrastructure that he literally was, you know, had the, the daunting task of, you know, building this shit. Almost, Montreal you know? is a very difficult market Fickle. M musically in many ways. It's, oh, yeah. uh, you know, we say bilingual, it's trilingual. Yeah. You know, it's hard enough to have that infrastructure to support you, whether you're an English artist or... French, it's, the support's there, but still, it's hard for French artists to cross over mm -hmm. because everyone's so segregated yeah. or they're just in their own zone. There's just a lack. There was always a bit of a lack of communication because the, the pie is getting sliced in three, yeah. right? Yeah. We were a big house music and electronic music city. Hip-hop always had a stake, but then you're cutting that stake in two, and then there's a lot of miscommunication. And like I said, our biggest challenge, in my opinion, and 
correct me if I'm wrong, was always a lack of infrastructure. I was going to say infrastructure. Well, you have that lack of infrastructure in Canada as a whole, right. but then it's even worse in Montreal because then it's, it's divided. It's divided. Okay. So it's like a quarter. But that you don't being have said, the Sonys. You don't have the, the like the companies that Toronto has and the big chains that have their head office there that you can get sponsorships and corporate money. There's none of that here. No, it's not here. It's, well, you, you, know, you make because, a project and you leave. Well, then you got the, like, and then when you, because I, like I've transitioned out of entertainment now into like doing corporate stuff. And like, so now we have to deal with the regie. Brands don't even want to do stuff in, in Quebec because of the regie. Of course. Restaurants, the big chains, they're not oh, coming here. Like the big chains don't. And then if you want to do contests, You'll, oh, I don't know if you guys see it in, in Quebec per se, but like when there's a national contest running, they'll say excluded Quebec. And I used to wonder why they exclude Quebec. It's because the regime, because you have to pay a fee. This is the only province you have to pay a fee uh, towards the cost of the grand prize. And translate absolutely everything that's well, going to yeah, be coming that's, out. That's there's major costs in menus and signs and all the things that you want translated. So I, it's sad because I, listen, this is like my second home, man. Like, you know, I've, I've, we've had some fun yeah, and we've made our fun. I think we're all sort of, we've been there and we've, made ourselves it's a beautiful place to live it's a beautiful place to create it's not a good place once you have that finished product once you're there yeah once you have something that actually is tangible that you can you got eventually make money off you, you gotta you get have to export it but you know the only i'm just gonna dispute that oh sure it's it's a beautiful place to live in the spring and summer <laughs> there you go <laughs> well, right mean, now woo! right now there's been a three months of it's, you know really you know, chaotic weather it's bad now really chaotic weather but Looping back to um, something that you just said that you kind of moved out of entertainment and I want to get to what you're doing now. Let me start with how did you start in this business and what exactly were you doing uh, as a promotions company? As a Yeah, sure. Promoter? So um, when I was uh, when I was like 17, 18, I used to hang with guys a couple like, year or two older than me and they were going to clubs in Toronto. So I had fake ID, so I would just go kick it with them and they were kind of like just these popular guys who were dancing. I kind of did the little dance thing for a minute. Great. People laugh, people, around what time? Like you don't have to date yourself? No, I'll date myself. I'm 42. Uh, this okay. is back in like 94, 95-ish. Okay. So this is when Rap City is really hot yeah, in 93, Toronto. 93, 94, yeah. Rascals are bumping. Yeah, We got Maestro vibrant. on the mic. <laughs> this is post-Maestro actually. This, he is, was right. like 89, this is really living anymore. Rascals. This That's, is like, yeah, this is like. Socks, Cardi, Beat Factory would come out. Beat Ivan Factory, Barry. yeah. 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 Okay, okay. So, anyways, I but I wasn't even in the scene like that. Like, so I was born, uh, you know, like I'm a Toronto kid of Scarborough. Mm -hmm. Then in, uh, my parents split up. I was getting in trouble. I moved to Ottawa for four years because my mom got a good job out there, but wanted to get me out of trouble. What nationality are you actually? I actually, never asked you that. Funny enough, um, my mom is Indian from India. Okay. Uh, but she's at, my grandparents migrated to Tanzania, East Africa. So wow. technically, she's. African, but of Indian descent. Interesting. And then my dad's from Montreal, born and raised, right? Anglophone, uh, but from Quebec, cool. from Montreal. Yeah. Very cool. So, so anyways, I, anyways, long story short, as I moved back to Toronto, start, start kicking with a couple guys, a couple years older than me. They were dancers. They were popular. Started going to these clubs. And um, when I, so I've always had, like, I'm, I'm an entrepreneur. My dad was like his dad was, my uncles were, my brother was. So it's like, it's in our blood. So even when I was a kid, I used to have like a booth at the flea market when I was 12 years old. That's dope. When I was 16 and I got my driver's license, I had a booth at the flea market for a separate business. Like, so I've kind of had that entrepreneurial drive. Mm -hmm. When I used to go to all these clubs, when, I, when all my friends in high school started turning 19, they knew I was already going to these clubs and they would say, could you get me on the guest list at this club? And so I would kind of like, talk to the manager, the promotions manager, and say, hey, my friend wants to do her birthday here, and can you let them in? And so the 19th birthday, because it's 19 in, in Ontario versus 18 here, 
the guest list was like 200 people, right? Because everyone's 19, they always want to party. So it was a natural thing. progression for you to just say, I just want an override on the tables I book or whatever. Not even, well, back then there was no tables, but what? no, what I did, that's not what I did. What I did was this, taking a book out of, you know, out of, out of the, the Jewish gangster book. The Meyer Lansky pages. My, is what I did is I was like, you know what? I'm getting 40 bucks and two drink tickets and I don't even drink. So I'm really getting 40 bucks to bring 100 people here every week. Mm. Let me try to do it on my own. There you go. At my first party, I did 500 people. So you just rented the venue and just... Yeah. And then uh, it kind of just spiraled. And the thing is like, like I said, I don't, I don't, I don't drink, never have. Really? Uh, yeah. Um, I mean, don't you. get me wrong. Yeah, good for you. Listen, don't get me wrong. I like to have, you know, like if we're, if we're going to go kick it, if, if Bless is coming to Toronto, we're going to kick it for the weekend. I'm gonna have a few drinks with the homie. There you go. We'll get a good. We'll okay, get a pop. But when in. you're out and you're working, but that's like, yeah. When I'm in my 20s, I didn't touch drink, and that was my prime clubbing promotion. That that's why you were able to stay have focused. Longevity. I treated it like a business. I mean, I had 30, 40 full time right. staff. I had an office. We were grossing 50 grand a week. You like, ever watched Bar Rescue, John Taffer? I have. And you see when he gets fucking mad at them when they start drinking behind the bar. I never even thought about that. How many it. people get drunk at the bar that work at the bar? Completely it's a unprofessional. Business. If I owned a venue, Dude, I would not let. I them used drink. to do a night. I think you came to it. I got a, I got a, <laughs> got a funny guru story about it, but I did a night back in 03 in Toronto called Spotlight Saturdays. It was at the docks. It was baby you yes. starting from scratch on four turntables. Oh yeah, we did. Me and Guru and Crumb Snatcher came. Right? Yeah. And mm -hmm. we uh, got into a big fight in the VIP. That was probably the night. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, sounds about right. Sounds about right. I had to like, and it's funny because Guru was like, he was like, trying to finish the bottle and oh, there's yeah. nothing in it and he's like this <laughs> oh yeah and we're like dude there's it's three o'clock see this is a very it. accurate story right? <laughs> so, time to go home <laughs> so we did this party um i went to the club because in the winters it was closed and i said look i'm bringing this concept here it's four turntables it's live tear on flow i've got like all the promoters from every sort of group um and we're just going to do this party and it's going to be every week. And we did, we averaged 3,000 people. Yeah, it was like New every week. Yes, in Toronto. Yeah, wow. every, and this was back in 03, it was all hip hop. And was, was government still around then or not yet? I ran government Fridays doing 3,000 people. Right, because that was the big one, right? That, that was, was me, Fridays, yeah. Good for you. So I ran that for six, seven years and then I took a concept. But see, with, with government, I didn't make a lot of money because Charles, who owned it, he was smart. Everyone got their little salaries. He took all the risks, but he made all the money. Mm -hmm. So we're doing 3,000 people. But it doesn't matter how many people you're getting your money. But I'm getting like six, 700 bucks, whether no I brought 1,000 or 3,000. And you know. But it's a learning experience. Listen, it's a learning experience, but it was also, you gotta, you gotta realize, man, like you just gotta use that to your leverage when you're going to other venues. So I walk mm. into the dock saying, I run Government Fridays. This is who I am. Do you want that here on a Saturday when you're closed? Because they were closed in the, in the winters. So they go, yeah, let's do it. So first night, 5,000 people. And we, every week, 3,000 people, rain or shine. The odd night, we dip down if there's a snowstorm. Let me ask you, what it. would you credit uh, your success in those days as a promoter to? Was it not drinking, really treating it like a business, not getting lost in the party uh, sure. aspect of it? There's two things, but I want to finish my story because oh, please. It, it actually ties into the whole, to that, please, actually. Please. It all ties in. Please okay. go for it. So the, the, there was a couple of things. I, I really believe this in life. Now I look back on it. I don't think I realized it at the time, but I'm a kind of guy like, I think like I'm undiagnosed ADD. So I, I take everything in. Like I just, <laughs> I'm always thinking I'll be on a beach and I can't relax. I'm just right. thinking. And you don't smoke weed. I don't smoke weed. Okay. Cause um, that, that helps, right? It, it just doesn't, I just, it messes me up. Okay. Fair, fair, fair. Um, I'm trying to get there though. Believe me, I am. But, uh, but like, yeah. So 
I watched the way Charles used to move and he never drank, never bought people drinks, didn't have a drink in his hand. He was about his business. And I don't realize, I think I indirectly learned that from him, not realizing it. So anyways, when I do the docs, right, I have 3,000 people every week. I have 24 promoters and I have about six DJs working for me every week. So I have 30 staff, okay? Mm -hmm. When, you know what my drink allotment was for my, me and my team? 30, 30 people, keep in mind, 30 right? People. I'm telling this, the people who are watching. Mm -hmm. My drink allotment at my request was 90 drink tickets Amazing. for beer. <laughs> Smart. So two, three beers a person, max. Two, That's three it. beers for a person, max. Perfect. And I had, a, I had a rule with my promoters. I was like, look, like you can't drink. And I would go around and... I would see my promoters at the bar with their friends and if like they would try to like sneak a drink. Yeah, like <laughs> I'd see them hiding what's behind them. Oh, just because they wanted to, yo, you're 22, 23 with all your you friends. You want to drink. it up. But I was that guy ruling with authority like, don't <laughs> drink, you can't drink. <laughs> uh, but you probably but, taught a lot of kids responsibility and how to work and get paid as opposed plus to Plus when we did events up. with him from like an artist perspective, everything was always on point. There was no sloppiness. There was no misunderstandings. Because they're sober. And Most people in this business, they're, they're sloppy. Like yeah, you look, said. you know, I'll be, I'll be um, real with you. So you asked me a question about sort of what I attribute some of the successes I had. I think um, definitely being sober um, and just ruling with um, authority. This, the sober piece actually kind of works uh, twofold. One, I, I just grew up in, in a household with a father who was a drug and alcohol sort of abuser. Mm -hmm. And so I took sort of like, you know, a lot of people say, well, you're gonna, people that grew up in that kind of household follow that. I was kind of the opposite. You're like, I see what not to not do. Not to do, yeah. exactly. The other thing is, which a lot of people don't know is like at 24, so like the prime of my like, you know, clubbing, like I'm popping two parties a year. I had a daughter unplanned with my, with grew my up wife, quick. right? And, and I had my son at 26 and my son's here today with me. As you guys know, he's mm -hmm. now 15. And I, and I looked at it and I was like, okay, I can do one of two things. I can own up to my responsibilities and go home and sort of, I already li live a weird lifestyle of being out at night and yeah. coming home late and sleeping till two o'clock every day, three yeah. o'clock. So I can either take on the responsibility that I put myself in, or I could just say, fuck it. Be and an asshole and be an asshole, get drunk high and God knows what else I do. And who knows where that path would have led me. Yeah. And I said, I'll just take door option A. Good for you. So it was really that, the staying the sober piece. But, uh, you know, I know this is going to sound sort of, I don't want to sound conceited, but I looked at what everyone wasn't doing and I tried to find my own vision. So, mm. so what I did was this. There was a reason why my parties would do 3,000 people every week. There was a reason why I had 10 years of doing parties for 2,000 people is I, I'm half Indian. You asked me this question. Mm -hmm. right? I'll show you how it all comes full circle. Mm -hmm. So... My mom's from India. I grew up in Scarborough. I grew up around black and Filipino people. Mm -hmm. um, what I did is I created a company called Mass Appeal. We appeal to the masses. What I noticed was I was going to all these parties in Toronto, but they were segregated. The black parties, but they were playing hip hop. Mm. The Chinese parties are playing hip hop. The Filipino parties, but it was hip hop. They were all listening to the same music, but they were all just segregated, but no one brought them together. And I'm the product of a biracial sort of family. I like my ethnic women. And I know that there's... the commonality between them so what i did is i partnered with a filipino guy a black guy a white guy Genius. and i said let's create it called mass appeal we appeal to united the nations of, of of pockets of, of and that crowds. was it man 21 years old and if it, 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 it just bubbled you're it still just, friends with these guys uh yeah uh yes i was gonna say no yes i'm friends Amazing. with them because no, those, those are life friends is the way i feel do you know right? daryl massey 
Sounds familiar. He's out in Montreal or Quebec City now. He's moved out there. But yeah, no, man. Like, yeah, yeah, no, no. These are guys like I'm still cool with. Very cool. Um, you know, we don't talk on the regular, but like, no, they're the homies. That's right. Um, but we're, what's that? I said, who talks on the regular anymore? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So let me ask you. Um, no, that, that's really cool, though. Very cool. But it's just like finding that lane and just going with it and saying, look, mass appeal. We appeal to the masses. But then now substance groups started because. That uh, takes me to my next question. Okay, go. go what was your no, question? No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Please. No, so, so I'm doing all these parties, right? And. Um, we're having a good time with it. We're making money. It's a business, blah, blah, blah. So I started doing this night at the docks on Saturdays where it was really me renting out the venue, getting the door, making a lot of money, like making a grip of money. And not, the club basically was like, you just pay us a fee. You take the door. We'll take the what bar. What was the club? The docks. The docks. I think I've been there. It's called Did Rebel Now. Okay. But it was called the docks. Did Drake do a show there like early, early that in was his career? That was the one, right? That yeah. was the one. That I was did the a one. show there once years ago, okay? Yeah, that was the Sorry, one. I just had to... That was the one. So, so um, <clears throat> because I had full autonomy there, I put more and I was making money. I put more effort into that night than the Friday night. And so things would happen like Bless and Guru would be in town and they're like, yo, we're coming through to kick it. Pharrell would come through and hang out. There was a team called the Toronto Raptors that had just come into Toronto back in the late 90s, early 2000s. Right. They were coming to my clubs every weekend. So you're, st and I'm the guy, like I'm the guy, right? So they're starting to meet me, right? And uh, I'm, you know, you know things are just happening, and the Benson and Hedges had their Gold Club series. Yes, thing. Benson and Hedges. I think we did one of those events. With we you. did, we did, yeah. and and so I was the guy to do because I was doing Fridays at Government and Docs on Saturdays, which were their two biggest accounts. They were like, "We want to work with you exclusively to do some of these hip hop shows. We trust you. You're not kind of like ghetto. You're not difficult. Like you, you get business." And so I was able to do like these hip hop concerts back in '03 with like everyone, and so I ended up, ended up. Really funny Montreal connection to the story. I get a call from this guy named Romero. Shout out Romero. <laughs> and Romero I love this. And Romero calls me and he goes, and, and if you ever get him on the show, he'll probably give you his version of this story because we all Romero. Romero was version. working very heavily with Sean Bless, Paul got, at the time. We got work to do, eh? So, like oh, yeah. we have to, we have to so, get his story so verified story. afterwards. So this is the Sean Paul <laughs> oh, yeah. story. And Romero will never give anyone else credit, but this is the true story. This is like true story. So Romero... <laughs> is like best friends with Jeremy Harding. Jeremy Harding was Sean Paul's original manager who yep. lived in Montreal. Jeremy, I remember. You yes. know Jeremy. Mm -hmm. Jeremy lived in Montreal, went to Concordia. And when Jeremy was nobody, he Romero was like, yo, stay in my house, sleep on my couch, work security at my clubs because Jeremy's a, a larger gentleman. Like larger, he's a big guy. So years later, goes by, call it five, 10 years later, Jeremy's managing some up and coming hip hop, reggae artist named Sean Paul. Sean Paul drops some song, Give Me the Light. Mm. Blows up. Mm-hmm. Jeremy calls Romero and goes, you remember all those years that you had my back? Well, look, I'm bringing it back to you. You get Sean Paul for a Canadian tour if you want it. When that was happening, I believe you probably hooked it up. There was a video shoot that I think they did at government or the docks or something. Didn't Sean Paul shoot one of his videos? He did a couple of videos in, in Montreal. He actually No, did no, Toronto I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, sorry, in Toronto. He actually did a video in a basement uh yes. with drags you know drags yes yes that yes. was drags's basement the give me the light video was it give me the light i, I think don't remember. so yes and what? there was some controversy somebody ended up getting popped Shot? or something yeah uh, yeah i don't know but yeah. i remember it was i believe around 03 we had launched the, my first solo album Platinumburg, and i remember we were at the hotel and sane called us and said that he was at the sean's video shoot at the docks or might have been one of those that wasn't yeah. that video wasn't me that but day. but um so romero calls me goes hey dude i got a problem he goes, I got Sean Paul, but I don't really have relationships across Canada to book a tour. And 
agency group and SL Feldman have been calling Jeremy to get Sean Paul because he was really hot at the time. So he's like, I was managing a DJ at the time named Baby U. Of course. And so Baby U lives in Atlanta now, right? LA. Oh, he's, he's in, LA. in LA. He was in Atlanta for a while. He though, was in right? Atlanta for yeah. five, six years. Yeah. Now he's been in LA for two, three years. So Baby U, I was touring as a, I was booking him to DJ across Canada. So I had the plug with every promoter in, in every city. Mm-hmm. So Murrow's like, look, man, I've never really routed a tour. Can you help me get this tour popping? Because like realistically, if I don't get it done in the next couple of days, like it, I'm going to lose this tour because Jeremy can't wait. And agency group in Feldman, are, they want this tour and, and they could have turned the tour around like that. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, all right, I got you. Call call everyone in every city. Call G-Man out in Vancouver. Shout out G-Man and Risk, my brothers in Vancouver. Yeah. Do you see these, these names? These were, <laughs> see, across the country, like Neil is saying, there was a circuit. Circuit, exactly. And it was Neil, G-Man, and his partner, Rob Risk, um, you know, and, and a handful of other guys across the country that, you know, literally were controlling the circuit when it came to hip-hop and, you know, urban events in general. And these guys all, one after another, embraced me so lovely. So, you know, shout out to, to all of them and to you, no, of it, course. It really helped. It helped that I was in Toronto. And so the reality is a lot of people kind of see what Toronto's doing. So it, it helped me because some of these guys, when I reached out to them, was like, oh, Neil from Toronto's hitting me um, versus Neil from Saskatoon. <laughs> yeah, right. right. Saskatoon oh, gets Wednesday night and you get Friday every time. It's right. Big I have difference. a great Saskatoon guru the story. Stoon, the Stoon. Oh, guru oh, in Saskatoon. My God. I don't know if I oh, want to hear that. Oh, my story. God. So we, anyway, so Romero calls me and goes, can you put this tour together? So I get the routed tour done and then I get a call from Benson and Hedges and they're like, yo, listen, Rob Lisi, who created the Gold Club Series event, who I talked to, the, to this day, we talk once a week. Lisi goes, we want that Sean Paul tour. We'll just pay for the whole damn tour. And so I get a meeting going with me, Romero, Jeremy, Rob Lisi. Now, anybody that knows me, I'm the kind of guy where like, if we're going to do business, I'm not going to like, try to like not have you meet this guy and that guy. Let's just be open about I'm it. Very transparent. You got, I'm, I'm too transparent. You eat, I eat. You eat, we all eat together and we keep it moving. And you Perfect. know what? Maybe I could have made an extra $10, but you know what? I'm okay because we all ate and I'm about long-term vision. Right. I was about to say, that's how you cultivate long-term relationships and you leave a good taste in everybody's. Right? So I bring Romero to the table, Jeremy and the head of Benson and Hedges Marketing at the time, Rob Lisi. And we crack a deal. I'll never forget. It was in the Milestones restaurant in, in, in Toronto. And so me, again... I'm just getting into doing concerts. I wasn't really doing them yet. I was still doing my parties. Yeah. And so I was. I did my two shows in Toronto. I did a, a all ages show and I did a 19 over show with Sean Paul. The show sold out. I made a lot of money. And not gonna front. I. It was a blessing and a curse at the same time. You know what I mean? Like You're young you, and things are working out real well. And the doors open. Like I'm like I can make this kind of money doing all this. <laughs> wow. It's too good to be true. It's dangerous, right? Yeah. And so. We, we did the tour, and so Romero looked like a god because he got sponsorship from Benson and Hedges. He did a 10-city tour, Sean Paul. All the dates sold out. He kept Montreal. So he's just eating nice, right? So at the end of the tour, and bro, look, I didn't go on any of the dates. I did my Toronto show. This was Romero's tour. I respect the process. We're good. So I get a call from Romero, like, after the tour's over, and he's asking me to give him a kickback from my show in Toronto. Mm. And I'm like... At the end, then, once everything's done. Yeah, and I was like, oh, I go, that's funny. I go, because I was going to ask you for a bit of your cut from putting the tour together for you and getting you your, t- your title sponsor. Right. <laughs> and it, he's got a hot temper and I got a hot temper. And so we pretty much- You didn't speak for a couple of years. We still haven't talked. Okay. Really? Yeah, well, there was two issues. There was that, and then there was another like 
seedy thing that he did. See, me, I don't give a fuck. Like, what I'm telling you is on camera. This, Yo, so bless, this, this is, guy's no joke, eh? This is raw. This, <laughs> this is, is my, my, my favorite guest. Guys, you know saying. what? Romero's my homie. Ricky's my homie. Like, these are all <laughs> guys I grew no, up with. No, but Ricky, so. Ricky and I are And cool. he's not talking shit. He's actually just speaking his mind. And of course. There's, there's so, no you know what? here. All jokes aside, this is the platform for that. I love it. I love so, it. So, so get it. But hey, listen, man. I always tell people what I say behind your back, I'll say in front of your face. Fuck Don't yeah. be mad. Fuck yeah. Like when people say, I heard you talking shit, I go, maybe. What did you hear I said? And who did you say? Who told you? Because I have to make sure I'm accurate about it. Right. Like for real, you know, like we can you talk take this about shit talking serious. Yeah. Right. Like, you know, we're not kids, right? Like, let's just be grown, man. We can talk about it. We can do something else. So anyways, Romero yeah. used to be, he was the first guy to, I'm a loyal dude. He was the first guy to call me to book Baby You in Quebec. Mm -hmm. And I was like, cool. So Romero, ever, ever the intelligent businessman slash opportunist was like, I want exclusivity for Baby You because at the time he was like the guy. I'm like, all right, cool, man. Like, you know what? You showed us love. Like, I'm all about exclusivity and rocking with people who showed us love. Sure. So at the time, Romero was starting to like really be out of the scene though. He wasn't like, this is like, late 90s like and then coquinos he had just opened on saint laurent there and like I think he had a club called polyester too at the time maybe but it wasn't it, just, that name. it was it's more dope, like dope it, it was more like romero was sort of not as much in the trenches anymore and he was sort of migrating to just being a little bit more of, a, of an og at the time mm -hmm. so i'm getting all these calls from promoters in montreal like goon tribe and hamansu and all these cats and they're like yo we want to book baby you and i'm like no i can't i gotta call romero but Romero got this sense of like, you got to call me if you want baby you in Quebec. And so he was like, for every show I would do in Montreal, I'm turning down like three or four out of respect to Romero mm -hmm. to the point where we weren't even getting a booking for six, seven months in, in Montreal. Mm -hmm. And so um, I was starting to get a little bit fed up. So the icing on the cake was, um, which he probably didn't really realize this, but one day, he takes Baby U and RG, Montreal, RG, RG yeah, Ryan yeah. Grant, Grant Brothers. Um, Otis, Otis, Otis is, oh, Otis's yeah. son, uh, brother, sorry. I have a good Otis story, but go. Otis, yeah. I uh, went to school. I, I went to Lindsay, so he was there. Okay, okay, he, yeah. Uh, just just quickly, Roy Jones Jr. is fighting. Yeah. And right after the fight, they bring in, they have a huge assembly. And I had a stereo in my locker because there was no books in there. And I put Second Round Knockout, which was the song that Roy Jones came out to. Okay. Yeah. And he came up to me and said, take that shit off right now. Like, <laughs> Otis did? Otis, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I thought it was being funny. And he was like, this is not <laughs> a joke. Like, <laughs> it's funny because Otis is like <laughs> totally a not a cop. Yeah. He's totally such a quiet guy outside. He's like, a great guy. Yeah. That was my, I was an asshole. But Anyways, uh, go, go. no, so um, what he does is Romero had a hookup on suits. So he brings Baby UNRG to his suit guy mm -hmm. and... He goes, try these suits on. And so the guy gives him the suits, whatever, right? So our Romero goes, I'm going to take the suits off your feet tonight, right? So the suits are 350 each. So you guys got a suit, 700. I'm taking off your feet. You know, I'm paying you a thousand. So you get 300 bucks tonight. So baby URG, they're young. They're in their early 20s. They got some fresh suits. They thought they got a deal on that were a thousand dollar suits for 350 bucks, whatever, right? Mm -hmm. So now... Remember RG's from Montreal. Small world. Otis Grant, very well-known boxer. He's royalty up in this city. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He tells his brother, I got this suit. Romero put me on. Brother goes, I know the guy. I know the tailor. So fast forward six months later, RG needs another suit. He says, yo, give me the guy's number. Because RG, Romero's not trying to give out the tailor's number. Right. So he gets the tailor's number. Suits are 100 bucks. 
Suits are 250. Right, motherfucker. <laughs> Sorry, Romero, but I don't you know, know you, what? but Hold motherfucker. Up. In Romero's defense, <laughs> Dirty. look, man, he was trying to make he was trying to make a living. No, that's he not, was wheeling yeah. and dealing. Uh, no. I'm try I'm trying, petty. Romero. I'm I, trying. That's petty. I practice good once business. again though, once again, I am a diplomat by nature. You, no, you know what? Romero, Romero is also welcome to come on and always tell his side yeah, because man. Romero's always been lovely Listen, towards me. I Nothing but love. I'm a guy, and I know he's gonna if he was to come on here, he would have his vision, view of things, sorry. <laughs> uh, and I'm sure he wouldn't say the nicest things about me, so that's fair, right? Like, like we're keeping it real. Right. I will tell you one thing. As you guys can tell, I don't hold my, you know, I don't hold back. I don't yeah. bite my tongue. Yeah. This fucking Romero guy has people in this city still shook because just like Bless saying, that's my guy, I respect him, I'm not going to say anything No, but we Ill. have a very, I've known the guy for 15, 20 yeah. years, but then again, in all in all in all fairness and honesty, me and Romero haven't really done business together. Yeah. So it's yeah. only been okay. friendship. But there's a lot so. of promoters that and DJs over the years, whether he's burnt them or not, they have this sense of respect for him that even though they know he's done them wrong, they give him a pass because they're like, Yeah, but he kinda helped put me on. So like, you know, I let they just he gets a bly. But like when you say I know you're trying to just sort of be cheeky and say, Well, you know, in Romero's defense, but it's like Come on, man! Like a hundred dollars? Like, are we really doing this for a hundred dollars? Like, that that, I hear that right there. Look, I'm giving up opportunity. So I looked at it like I'm giving up opportunities. I'm losing out on Baby U. I was getting calls from people saying, "Yo, Romero's really taking this like Baby U Montreal thing mm -hmm. too serious." Then I hear the suit thing. Then the the Sean Paul just thing. too many at this point. And it was just like that was back in like maybe '04, and we literally to this day we're in 2019. We haven't talked. Wow. You know, you know what's wild is in the industry that you're in, and, and bless you as well. Um, if you, and I, correct me if I'm wrong, but like any other industry, if you have a criminal record, if you have like anything that's like negative on your on your rap sheet, like you're not getting a job, you're not getting in anywhere near them. But in the entertainment industry, Bro. you're like, you actually have like a fear and you're better because it's fucked up. It's ass backwards. You no? are so right. There is no code of ethics. There is no corporate rules, no corporate right? structure. Right? There's just no code when it comes it's to if this you're entertainment gonna hustle hard, shit. Well, you're yeah, make when it comes to when it comes to nightlife and music business, there uh, and and this has nothing to do with anybody in particular, but in generally speaking, I've always said that unfortunately, there's no real estate board or no bar association Union. to keep you. you <laughs> there's know, no to a formal educational standard. certificate. Training. So, so sometimes somebody, you know, uh, trips and stumbles onto a bag of money and decides he wants to be the next Puff or the next Neil or the next Ricky. And then you got all these guys who haven't paid their dues, who have no training or education. Don't know how to sign field. a contract properly. And, and you know what? Sometimes, and it happened, um, actually relating to this Guru Saskatoon story, Soon. where we got brought, you know, out to the middle of fucking nowhere. Because let me tell you something. I don't want to be in Saskatoon. So you could bet your ass guru <laughs> don't want to be in Saskatoon. Right. But I'm following him on this wild ride. And when we get to, you know, a, a small place like Saskatoon and the promoter is an amateur and he can't come up with our money, then what happens? You just... You go to the ATM with him. Well, literally. Or his mom. And, 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 and man. But like, I'm going to tell you, not to cut your story yeah. out. But some of these kids out there in Saskatoon are no joke. Like, they roll with 20 native dudes who are ready to die for right. Well, I got a great story. Like, you, don't, so you don't fuck with them. No, there's some native dudes up you, north that, like, like, you don't want to You just got to know, like, to your point, I want to hear the end of your story, mm -hmm. but, like, to your point, like, look, man, I've been around, <clears throat> and I'm not, I'm not afraid to really bang, not to say I'm a tough guy or I'm not, but I'm, it is what it is. 
But sometimes you just got to realize, like, I'm in Saskatoon with Guru and two, next, two other guys. Out of my element. And I'm in a small town with these dudes who are ready to just, they have nothing better to do than to just stomp on us. Mm-hmm. I'm going to let this one pass. Like, Well, actually, it went very much the opposite. No, tell me. Tell me, tell me. <laughs> no, no. Because, because um, you know, we were, it was me, Guru, and Crumb, and Sane. Mm-hmm. Um, and I brought Sane being my DJ uh, to be the tour DJ yeah. for all of us and you know for Guru so it was me and Crumb backing Guru up you know like hype men and then I would get to do two tracks and Crumb would get to do two tracks so it was like Guru presents Blessing Crumb same tour we did the Docs event with you so when we got out to Saskatoon yeah the guy's like, yo, I only have like half the money, but if you guys want free tattoos. So Crumb gets a, a K dot S on his neck like this big with bullet with bullet holes as the as the um as the dots. And Guru gets, I'll never forget, two hearts on each calf of his leg. One for like his son and one for his folks, okay. right? So we go to the tattoo shop, A, out of boredom, and B, because they're like, well, let's get some free tattoos to recoup, right? So I'll never forget, I sit in the chair, and Guru's like, you know what I mean? Like, yo, smoking the blood, like, yo, let me get a kaffir, kaffir, and crumb, you know, really one-ups him. He's like, let me get a K.S with bullet holes on my neck. And I'm like, let me get, like, um, Jesus Christ holding, like, a gun and a Bible on my back. But I, I said it, but okay, as a joke, joke, right? Okay, I was but like, like with a serious face, right? Yeah, yeah. So the guru's like, he's probably, you know, like we, we were drunk like 50 yeah, sure. nights in a row. Yeah. So he probably just listened with a half an ear and he's like, what? He goes, yo, yo if, you, if I send you home with a tattoo, your mom's just going to kill me. You ain't getting nothing on your back. Bless ain't getting no tattoos. So that was, the, it was that love, you know? There were, he was always looking out for me like That's a big great. brother. And um, I was like saying to him while he's getting tattooed, I was like, so let me get this straight. Like it was a real Seinfeld moment. I'm like, let me get this straight. I'm like, and I'm like, what, 17, 18 at the time? Like, and I'm the only normal responsible voice on the tour. Sadly. <laughs> Sadly. And, and, and don't have much power in that circle either, right? So they're like, they're like, I'm like, we came to Saskatoon not planning to get tattoos. And because the money's not right, you guys just want to trust this rando to just Dude, tattoo you guys yeah, up? And yeah. then they're like, yeah, sounds about right. Right. Just <laughs> Go ahead and start the tattoos. So they get the tattoos. So the guy's like, don't worry. I'm going to have your second half for this show and the next show I'm doing in Edmonton. So oh, so I'll have to be- see this guy again. <laughs> so that was, that was his leverage. So he's like, so I'll get you the tattoos and you know that's completely on me and I'll have the second half of tonight's bread and all your money ready when you get to the next city I'm the doing both shows right. so I mean what the fuck choice does Guru have like we're you're stuck. out in the middle of nowhere you, know, you like, gotta like he said we're kind of at their mercy right so we're like alright whatever so we fly to Edmonton and the show is in the West Edmonton Mall at a venue they which, had which there. venue Big. Reds yeah Reds right <laughs> so I've never been to the West Edmonton Mall but <laughs> Growing up in Canada, we all know like that's the biggest mall mm-hmm. in the world or whatever. Maybe there's one in Dubai, but at the time it was yeah, yeah. one of our right. big th- attractions. So, <laughs> and Crumb, yo, Crumb, you got to come on the show to talk about these old stories. <laughs> so we had just gotten into a fight at the docks, which was your party. Okay. Where, you know, dudes were, you know, rolling down from the stairs at the docks from the VIP. Yeah. Um, 
and um sane is like bless like what did you get me into and i'm right. like shut up sane we're gonna continue the tour and it's gonna be epic so um so at this point edmonton we're drunk on every flight you know we're barely making the flights <laughs> the airlines are not letting us on fucking um sane's ready to quit the tour you know yeah. he's sitting on one end of the plane yeah he's done with you guys. yeah he's done with us <laughs> and you know i'm i'm like towing the line between when i'm sober i'm responsible by nature but when it's go time i'm like you gotta all be with in, these guys you know i'm really like i'm actually enjoying it a lot so we get out to Saskatoon. The promoter can't pay us. They get tattoos. We have a good laugh. Don't worry, guys. Everything's going to be straight by the time you get to Edmonton. Did you get the other half in Saskatoon? Or no, you got to wait He's going to take Edmonton. care of everything. In Everything's Edmonton, in Edmonton waiting step. for you. Yeah, great. Sure it is. Great. Right? But we have no choice because we have another 10 dates to do and we're heading west. Yeah, we're ending up fair, in Vancouver fair. and all that. So um, we, he sends us a limo to pick us up from the airport in Edmonton. So we're like, okay, maybe he, He's learned, He's maybe he learned his lesson and he feels bad and everything's going to be good. And there was a write-up on Crumb in XXL. It was like an unsigned hype kind of section they had. And it was a little bio and the whole bio talking about what a great MC he is and this extensive rap sheet that, you know, he got shot like six or eight times and he came out of jail to the Moment of Truth album. There's the tie in the Moment of Truth podcast. Um, and that, you know, and they just, you know, just gave his a real rap sheet on him. Right. So when we get out of the limo to go to soundcheck at the venue, this promoter who knows he owes us money. Game time. Um, has the fucking double XL in his hand. And the first thing he says is, hey, uh, I was reading uh, this uh, article on you, Crumb. Uh, pretty interesting, nudge, nudge. And Crumb's like, yeah, no doubt. Just have the money ready. You know what I'm <laughs> right? saying? Like we're not playing anymore. So we do a, a quick little sound check. We go to the hotel. Oh, why is the hotel so far? Like, correct me if I'm wrong, but if this is the biggest attraction, the There's West Edmonton two hotels mall, in that mall, in the mall, let alone just down the and road. And they actually have a dope hotel called the Fantasyland Hotel. He mall. sent us in the middle of nowhere for a reason. I'm figuring cheapest right? probably. That would have been okay because right? I'm, you know, I get it. Whatever, just make sure the money's correct. Doesn't nine o'clock, ten o'clock, eleven o'clock, twelve o'clock. Nobody's calling us can't reach him the limos disappeared so we're like so he's so guru's like yo bless you you remember where that venue was and i'm like the west edmonton mall like it's the fucking most famous it's thing in canada mall. it's it's like massive so we call a fucking taxi cab and on our own dime take like a 75 dollar cab you don't know if you're going to perform to the or west edmonton up. mall to to be like what the fuck did you forget about the headliner Obviously, the guy thought he was slick. His plan was if they don't show, they up show up to do the show, yeah. I ain't going to pay him nothing and we're, we're straight. And he can tell people that you didn't show or he can blame it on you guys. He was trying to make a scenario to get himself out. <laughs> Yo, we show up to the venue, not from the back. Like we walk Go through the, the door. Like, hey, it's us. <laughs> we're here to perform, right? So security's like, oh, why didn't you come from the back? We're like, oh, we're going to figure that out in a second. Yeah, we are. Soon as the soon as the promoter sees us, yo, my man, let me talk to you in the in the in the bathroom for a second. Mm -hmm. Guru and them were like, "Yo, bless, just stand in front of the stall door." Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> All you hear is, hey, 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 hey. Pum, 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 pum. 
ping, bang, boom. And I'm not saying anybody put hands on anybody. I'm just saying the sound effects I heard the music. and what might have happened. Interesting. There's a bunch yeah. of there's a bunch of uh, there's a bunch of kids, you know, who obviously came to see the show, and they're hearing this in the bathroom and looking at me, and I'm just standing in front of the door, like minding my own business, and they're like, "Yo!" They emerge from the bathroom. They're like, "Okay, let's do the show." I think we straightened everything up. Great. Can I ask you from what it was? Or? We just. If I could remember the guy's name, I have no problem throwing him under the bus because he was a total loser. <laughs> I'm sure I know who it is. But, I know but he was probably a new guy, an amateur, and I doubt he had a very long run in this business. Because sure. if he was pulling moves like that, I'm sure he, he quit pretty, <laughs> you know. pretty soon after. But a valuable lesson, he dealt with an OG-like guru been all around the world and back 10 times over. He taught him something in the bathroom that day. We did. But you know what? It wasn't about pause. you know glorifying any thuggery or any bullshit. But yeah, super pause. That was a weird. That was a weird. That was a weird setup. Um, in the bathroom is not. The yeah, best not thing. at all like that. But you know, all jokes aside, we were there to do an amazing job to perform some dope hip hop for some kids that were there to see a good sure. show. And yo, the show was half empty. It was a disaster. We still rocked. And those kids came up to us after and were like, yo, that was the dopest show we saw. We didn't even expect you guys to want to perform. You know what I mean? Because that night was so. Fans for life at that point. And then you know what? (laughs) Looping back to our conversation at the beginning, yo, the promoter wasn't even mad. He was very apologetic. He understood he was in the wrong. He got taught a valuable lesson because he ran into dudes who were OGs, not he didn't take it to a ridiculous level. He ended up coming to eat with us at Denny's after. And when the meal was done, Guru was like, hey, yo, bless. Walk with the promoter to the ATM and make sure you get that bread. And I'm like, okay, big bro. I came back to the hotel and the money, you know, the money was there the whole time. He just tried to pull a fast yeah, one to get yeah, out yeah, of it. Yeah, yeah. You know? That's the game, man. I mean, God bless, man. This in the, the entertainment industry, it's a very, uh, it's, people only see the glamorous side of it and you know i learned like they like like the fans only saw the performance piece oh yeah they didn't see all the drama the the rest of the tour was either drama alcohol abuse um being um exhausted every day you know you're exhausted you do this two three nights in a row you got to pace yourself your voice is getting worse yeah you know what i mean you know i was last night i did an event with kiki palmer in, in ottawa and i was talking to her mom who was her manager and um, we were talking about like just touring and all this. And you know, when it's, it gets tiring, you know, there's no one that's really there to have your best interests for the most part. Absolutely. Um, you're, if, if you're on your own little vibe, so you're not really trying to listen to people. The people around you can't really trust. It's a bit lonely. It's, it's a very tough industry. Right. It is a tough industry. And, and, and like I, you said, there's no, there's no certificate. There's no training. There's, there's no real structure. And that's the biggest um mm-hmm. hurdle that i've faced and i'm sure you have a, a gazillion stories uh to, to the same effect that you know it, you're you're rolling the dice you might be dealing with, with with an awesome cat like neil who has his shit together and is militant about his shit or you might be dealing with buddy in saskatoon who's trying to fuck you right. over yeah. you know what i mean and and as an artist from our perspective you always have to give 100 percent energy because it's all about the fans because if they stop wanting to see you that's or, where the or, is done. Or if you as an artist, you, 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 don't, you can't really not put on because then people are going to hold you accountable. And they're never going to know what, what the clown the behind the was, curtain did. They don't know the drama you've been dealing with. Yeah, yeah. No. Hence the Lloyd Banks story. So 
Looping back. So you start Substance Group after a successful run with Sean Paul. Sort of, yes. So we did the Sean Paul shows. And then I think because we were doing the docs, Benson and Hedges was sponsoring us to do concerts every... And one thing with Benson and Hedges, they were able to like put their logos all over stuff. I mean, it was the 90s, right? Late 90s? This was early 2000s. Early right? 2000s. So they, they were able to put their logos still At and the like time, there was yeah. no... Because now you can, right? No, no. Yeah, changed. yeah, back then. Uh, between yeah. 03 and 06, 07. I think they were also doing some events with the W, if I remember correctly. It's just in in it's interesting to me hearing Benson and Hedges. Yeah. Because I don't think that I was like as prevalent. I was younger. So like... I don't remember seeing cigarette brands on Lemmy, flyers. We would go to clubs in the VIP. You were smoking in the club. In the club, yeah. See, Wait, no, that, was, that I can kind of remember. I remember, was, I remember being in the malls, and you were allowed to have cigarettes outside of the bro, stores. You would, you know, you would leave the <laughs> VIP of any club with your stinking. fucking eyes burning, yeah. your stinking clothes. Yeah. I had a, I had a hacking smoker's cough for about three and a half years. I thought I just was for dying. being on tour with Guru and them, <laughs> but just from being out all the time and okay. being in smoky environments, and I couldn't for the life of me figure out what it was. And I saw a specialist, and nothing would get rid of it. All of a sudden, one day, smoking ban then comes. And your lungs started to clear out and i never had this again i know go. that's what it was a trip interesting to. i just i was curious because you keep saying benson benson hedges and i'm like it's it's mind-boggling to me that that was actually like it was and the then main it went, sponsor of a show it was and then and then it changed to they couldn't put their logo so then it was they called it gold club series mm. and then from gold club series they could only use they couldn't use that so it was just the colors black and gold mm. to eventually the program faded out right but yeah like for it started like this and just kind of like in terms of what you could do. So, as so I did, you... I did, they were sponsoring my shit. Mm -hmm. So here's what happened. I, at the time, just to answer your question, is Mass Appeal. I had all these people working under me, but there was two other groups of guys that I just kind of vibed with that I was like, yo, man, you know, like, we're doing these parties and these clubs. You let's know, collaborate. Let's collaborate and let's create an umbrella company. But let's make sure it's something that has some depth to it. I go, let's call it like substance group, like Great a name. group that has substance to our events. Mm -hmm. so, so there could be more things like with of substance and when we come together because you know like you know you're going to do some of your own parties on your own i do government on fridays on my own this is the substantial but event. when we come together these events have substance and nice. these are like the bigger parties so what's some of the highlights um just a couple names that some of the bigger um things that you guys were able to do substance group so um yeah a lot of the um a lot of some just quickly like some of the highlights like i mean i was the first guy to bring connie west here and tour him his piano player at the time was john legend mm. on the jesus walks he was the jesus walks is that what was yeah, college well, dropout I, tour right yeah, yeah. I mean, but i'm saying that was that his was big record where did you do i bet you did great i got a kanye story so we we, we we i'm sure you do <laughs> but i'm sure you must have been with us so we did uh we were at the much music awards and this is the first time I meet Kanye in person. And he performed Jesus Walks, like white blazer, like full on out Jesus Walks, preppy Kanye. And then we went to Travis's club that he used to have Inside. with Vince Carter. Inside, yeah. yeah. So the after party was there. And it was me, Kanye, uh, my boy Will, shout out Will, and Don C. Don's, me and Don talk to this day. And we were all in the VIP. And then the fucking funniest story happened. So I remember I had that big Plattenberg chain that I had <laughs> yeah. made. It was like one of the biggest chains in the country. And I was looked so ridiculous. This little guy with a <laughs> tiny chain. kid with a ghost face piece. And so I wore it. And when I seen Kanye backstage at the, um, uh, at the MMVAs, I was like, yo, I don't know if you remember me, but I met you like once or twice with Guru. And, you know, Kanye is a real hip hop head. 
he's really super humble when you meet him on a one-on-one he's like back oh yeah then, right yeah blah, 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 blah. so then, so then he was like yo i like your i like your piece who did it and i'm like he's like yo let's switch chains and shit like just for fun like at like at the little uh gala like inside like the much music offices yeah upstairs yeah, yeah, yeah. so i'm just like rocking his chain he's rocking my chain and then you know we give our chains back and then he's like yo we're doing this after party i feel like it might have been one no, of your that, events that was not my it was an party. mnva yeah, party no, no but it was probably him just doing a party whatever yeah so i remember with, so, yeah. so come with us so we're in like a vip you remember inside it's like a little crevice yeah, it's yeah. the size of what, where we're sitting okay. and there's like a hundred people trying to squeeze in to get close to kanye <laughs> and it's getting like awkwardly packed where people are like uh, and you like fight. you can't fit any more humans and Cardi, shout out Cardinal, the big homie, such a great guy. He great comes guy. through, guy. and I, I'm sure he had a relationship with them, and he wanted to like give them some music or something. So as Cardi, and Cardi's a big guy, he's a tall guy, he's squeezing through, and it's hard for him to squeeze through. So my boy has his back turned. Shout out my boy Will. Which Actually, Will? Um, Peruvian Will, my boy, this, this, one of my best friends. You met him a hundred times. Okay. He was always with me back okay. in the day. So... So my boy Will has his back turned and he had like a, like a knit sweater on or something. So I'm like, yo, what? let Cardi through so he can, Kanye's like, you're sitting with Don C. And as Cardi comes through, Cardi's chain gets caught on Will's knit sweater. Oh. And no, sorry, the opposite. Will's uh, Jesus piece gets caught on Cardi's sweater. And as Cardi starts going, the chain's going up and up and up. So Will's like, yo, 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 my man. That's dangerous. His chain is stuck in Cardi's sweater. sweater. It's it's like the most funny, awkward moment. Two grown men like untangling each other. You know, and then we're just, once we ironed out that uh, technical, uh, you know, technical difficulty slash wardrobe malfunction, he's like, oh, what up, Kanye? Whatever, whatever. He gave him some music and the the night continued. But we never forgot that story because it's like the most awkward fucking thing that could have happened. I have some really good Kanye stories. I have some really good cardinal stories give have, us a great kanye story and have a good cardinal kanye story um give us both <laughs> good kanye story that i can tell that you can uh, tell exactly i'll tell you a funny kanye story so um do you remember the getting up echo festival in toronto i played it i was gonna say i'm pretty sure you're on it there were so many artists i just don't remember who yeah. kind of really so um ag actually put that together there so um for those who don't know real quick mm-hmm. the getting up festival was our hip-hop Lollapalooza uh, for one year. For one year, unfortunately. <laughs> but it was the craziest hip-hop festival. It was in Toronto, outdoors, Kanye, Nas, 50, Busta, Busta, 50. Fat uh, Joe, Nas, like Fat everyone. Joe, uh, Sierra. Uh, this is like 2004. Like all me, in their peaks, pretty the much. The Rascals, Cardi. So anybody who's anybody in Canada and literally like fucking Little John and Kanye. No, yeah, yeah, no. Nas Ludacris. and Mos Ludacris. I mean, it goes on and on. It was so, a two-day event. It was, was unbelievable. This? In Toronto. In Toronto. Yeah. So, huh. it, so Mark Echo saw this. an opportunity in Canada and said, let's do a festival and gave AJ and Carl. Yeah. Shout out Carl too. Mark and they Carl. lost... Big money, supposedly. 1.5 mil, apparently. Uh, yeah. In 05. Uh, pardon me? 05. Yeah. yeah, I was like, 05. Okay, so that's like probably like two, two times million, that yeah. now. Yeah. So <laughs> so I was in charge of like running the festival uh, for the most part. Uh, it was AJ's festival and Carl's, but like they you did a lot them. They did a lot of things wrong um, there. I They wouldn't listen, but like you give someone two and a half million bucks and say, go put a festival together and you've never done it. 
There's a AJ, lot of room for error. AJ, AJ got bamboozled because what she did is she connected with the agent in the hip hop industry, right? And she's like the agent and Kara. Mm -hmm. And so. Kara Lewis. Yeah. So Kara kind of like was like, I'm going to book all the artists on your festival. I got you. Cause she managed, she controlled, like she was the agent for like 80% of them. So she just goes, I got you. So she put all the artists on her roster on the bill which was basically what he mentioned 50 ludicrous you know like everyone wow. so wow. two days of headliners back to back to back to back but to back the two things i told aj was one i had already brought most of those artists in the market within the last six to nine months that's a problem so, so be careful so, so i'm like look like just didn't show with that guy two months ago so people aren't coming for him right yeah the other issue was um she paid like triple what she should have paid for all the acts because she didn't know their value right and she didn't consult with people to be like what's reasonable yeah like is 80 grand worth it for this guy it's like no he's worth like 25 or 30 so mm -hmm. she got she got bamboozled there but anyways so so anyways after we did the we did the after party for kanye west on the second night and my partners at the time were like some serious like serious ogs and so we do this party so little john comes in first uh because he hears about the party so Kanye's, oh, I was there with Martini from Vancouver. It was, um, what was the name of the club? G-Spot. I was there. So that was a crazy party, you remember bro. what happened? Okay, watch, I, I remember. It ended in typical Kanye fashion. So this is 05. So little, little John, Ludacris, and Kanye kind of walk in within five minutes of each other. We're upstairs in like this VIP area. So the DJ sees little John. So he does a 15-minute little set yeah, yeah. of little john he mm -hmm. sees luda he does a little 15 minute set thing of of luda so the mc walks over to me with the cordless mic and he goes mike and he goes and don c standing next to me and kanye's right there and he goes and at the time i had worked quite a bit with kanye so we, we became very friendly and and so he goes yo man can you get kanye to say something on the mic because we're gonna do like a now you know we're gonna blow off the party now and 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 so we're in a very confined area just like you mentioned like you know small area so like Ludacris is 10 feet from Kanye and Little John's eight feet from Kanye and Kanye's there. So I go, yo, I go, Con, can, can you say something? He's like, nah, man, I'm good. And then he goes, matter of fact, he goes, yeah, yeah, let me say something. Give me the mic. Oh, fuck. So I give him the mic. Coming. He goes, you know what? <laughs> I've been in this club for 40 fucking minutes. He's like, I hear Kanye, I hear Luda shit. I hear John shit. <laughs> I'm about to drop the hottest album in the world in two weeks, which was a second album. Mm -hmm. Which um, was the truth. Yeah. And he's like, and I've been in here and I'm the hottest artist in the world and I haven't heard one Kanye West song and this is a Kanye West after party. He goes, I'm leaving and I'm going to cross the street to Little X's party. Because wow. Little X threw a party across yeah. the street at Republic yeah. just to do his own Little X party. Yeah, this was on Adelaide, right? Uh, no, on Richmond. On Richmond. Oh, Richmond, same, sorry, near same. Adelaide. Yeah, whatever. right there. Right? Yes, I remember so, that night. And so Kanye throws the mic down <laughs> and bounces. Walks out. Wow. I look over at the MC. Guys like this. Yeah, we fucked up. And then and then I look at Don and Don Don she looks at me like this, like that's that's Kanye. <laughs> Kanye leaves, and I swear to you, people that were involved in that party are serious dudes. Like, they don't joke. They were pissed. Like, they were like, where's he staying? Right. Wow. Now, you, like, have, you have an obligation to your business partners and Kanye West, which is well, a very dangerous... It's just like, I don't know where he's staying. Okay, perfect. That's it, right? But, but uh, 
He didn't go to X's party, which that would have caused a real problem. Right. He, he left and went back to his hotel and did his thing. And then the next day, I go back to the hotel to kick it with him. And it was me, most deaf, Cardinal, and, uh, and Kanye. And there was a rumor at the time. This is another quick, funny story. But there was a rumor at the time. Actually, before I get to the rumor, Kanye had the CD of his new album. Oh, and shit. in this room that he was staying in, which oh, is like wow. the dopest room in Toronto to this day. It's like a three-story penthouse suite, like Bono and everyone stays there. It had like surround sound in the in the, in the hotel, and there's an elevator in the middle of the hotel room. Sick, sick. So kind, we're upstairs on the rooftop, and he puts in the CD. He's like, "Yo, yo, 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 yo! Everyone, be quiet!" And again, it's me, Most Def, uh, Kanye, and Cardinal. Four of us. That's it. Good team. Okay, Dope. that's it. And he's like, "Sounds yo, like yo. a mixtape right there." Yo, yo, yo! Stop <laughs> talking! Stop talking! Stop! Like, stop talking! <laughs> You gotta hear this again. You gotta hear this again. You guys aren't hearing it. You're listening. You're not hearing. And he, he, he rewinds and he plays it. And all of a sudden, like, he's like, shh, here it is, here it is. Oh, I'm so nice. I'm so nice. Shit. Hold on. Let me do it again. Stop clapping. I'm gonna do it again. And there's a fucking four of us. So I'm sitting there. And then uh, watching this man lose it. I'm like, why? And, and Moses is there and Cardinal's there. And Cardinal keeps looking at me and I'm looking at Cardinal. I'm like, what the fuck? So then he finally settles down and I said to them, I said, did you guys hear that rumor? And I don't know if you remember this rumor that Nas bought a Pharrell beat for $2 million. There's this big rumor going around okay. that Pharrell had created the ultimate beat. And that and Nas. Cardi had worked with Pharrell already at that time. Ma I think. Maybe, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. And Nas had bought it for $2 million. So okay. I just, I threw it out there and I go, yo, because we're just shooting this shit, chopping up. And I go, yo, I go, can you guys hear that rumor that like Nas bought some beat off of Pharrell for like two million? <laughs> kind of goes, I don't care what anybody says. <laughs> Nas ain't paying nobody no money like that for a beat. The only beat worth two millions is the beats that I make, that I got in my laptop. <laughs> I'm the only motherfucker that's got beats for two million dollars. Nobody's got two million dollar beats except Kanye. And there's the four of us, dude. Like there's no cameras. Yeah, there's no. There's he's nothing. just on he's all the really time. really on like all the time. But you know what? Shout out to Kanye because at least one thing you can say about him is he's always been consistently true bro, to himself. Bro, there's a He thing, was always like that. He's he was always like that. Yeah, yeah. It's Kanye's a, Kanye's an interesting dude. I I mean like at the same token, he was in Atlanta with Jay-Z and they were doing the Watch the Throne towards their first show right. and they were driving to their show and I had done a mixtape with Kanye West and um and Baby U back in 05 wow can you send me a copy of yeah, that yeah we'll try to get that yeah please and so or just upload it or something when baby was living in atlanta he was on the radio so jay and con were in the car going to the watch the throne tour and baby you had done to celebrate the fact that watch the throne tour was coming to atlanta did a, a mix show where the first half hour was kanye songs over jay-z beats oh, then nice. jay-z songs over yeah, kanye beats baby is dope bro so they hear this and they're going off i get a call from don c he's like Yo, man, this kid, like, that wasn't that the DJ that you had us work with, like, years ago? Like, right. six, seven years and ago? And he's I'm mixing like, this shit live. Like, it's not, like, live, pre-recorded. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, he's a DJ's DJ. Right. So I'm like, yeah, man, I go, done. I go, you guys did a CD with him, like, back in 05 or something, man. And, and so he's like, yo, man, we need to connect with him right away. Kanye wants to talk to him. Hmm. Baby U was on tour in Vancouver at nice. the time. So I called Baby I'm like, yo, they want to fly you to the Watch the Throne tour to talk to you to help because what happened was Kanye and Don and Jay-Z weren't happy with the Watch the Throne tour and they didn't feel it was polished and Kanye being Kanye is always the perfectionist 
So they've wanted additional input. So I called Don and go, look, man, here's the deal. He'll fly out tomorrow. But he's giving up two dates that he's out in Victoria, Vancouver, BC. He can do the gig tonight, but he'll fly in tomorrow. It's like, okay, whatever. Fly him out. We, we need him here now. We need him here. We'll meet you in North Carolina because we're doing Atlanta show tonight or uh, sorry, tomorrow night. Um, the, the, by the way, the mix show was actually pre-recorded because Baby was in Vancouver that night, but he does okay. it live usually. Okay. So when Baby U travels and tours, he'll just do his mixes and send them. So Baby U flies out. I set up. He goes out to North Carolina. He lands. He literally lands in North Carolina when the show starts. They're like, go to the front of the stage, watch it, take it in because we need to pick your brain. So Baby U goes to the front of the stage. After the show, they're backstage. There's these little after parties. Jay's doing his thing. You know, beyond everyone's just kicking it, whatever. And Kanye takes Baby U into the dressing room and sits with him till four in the morning, picking his brain, just going, okay, what can we do? How do we do this? What did you think about this? What did you, like just- it's passionate, just, bro. He's passionate. And, that, and that's something Special. that a lot of people don't give Kanye credit for. I think maybe his unconventional, you know, way of doing shit or his big personality sometimes overshadows that this guy's a fucking hard worker <laughs> and has been consistent his entire career. Well, it's like Kiki Palmer said last night to me, we talked about Kanye for a minute. It's like- People will listen to what Kanye has to say when he says it in a song. But when he says something that's outside of the element they're used to him saying it, they get all they get all like you're crazy. Yeah. And look, to each his own if they want to believe what he says. Some of what he's saying about this whole Trump thing, we're not going to get political. I think people get too caught up emotionally and they don't want to listen. Yeah. Of course. They just hear what they want to the hear. That's the state that we're in right now. And, you know what? Old, and we forget yeah. something. Because he's not wrong. He's not necessarily like, I'm not saying he's right or wrong, but he's not totally off in some of the things he's saying oh, and he's talking and to the I president and I think we so. forget something that Kanye is an artist and he's an artist artist artists are out artists. there sometimes no, but that's their genius artists. that's their genius he's not a politician he's not supposed to always well, say the right thing well, well bless you that. understand what I'm dude, saying dude 1 million percent bro that's the thing I tell everybody is when we say the word artist we think of a, an artist yeah and it's okay for Van Gogh to cut off his ear and that's be what I mean, erratic yeah. and ex but no 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 you're an artist I was having to say the an right artist. thing. Like there, there's different types of artistry. Yeah. And and you they all have personalities, you know, some have it honed in more than others, but like a musician, they're artists. But we never put them in the same they're not allowed to be crazy. That's and you know, right and you know what and sometimes right that craziness fuels that genius Best and yeah. fuels that inspiration. Hundred percent. All that being said, what I'm really curious to kind of this we're we're reaching this pinnacle here. <laughs> Where are you right now? in your career and he looks comfortable and he's wearing a hoodie he's chilling he's very relaxed he looks like someone that i'd be friends with to be honest. where i i <laughs> i know that you're very into mma i know that you've worked with our hometown boy george st pierre mm -hmm. um shout out to that whole camp um talk about that a little bit so i did the substance thing <clears throat> did my tours i uh you know i got to work with kanye chris brown you know drake uh rihanna Bieber I toured for quite a while the biggest names there are yeah I've worked with those guys this is before Live Nation came and fucked my shit up okay. <laughs> right this is when Live Nation was still amalgamating House of Blues and doing the rock shit there and was I room was, for and I was able to do top 40 hip hop stuff and there was room for me to eat Lady right. Gaga I did but then comes around 2010 2011-ish and I start to see the writing on the wall they start coming into this territory and um, I was sort of getting over it anyways I was almost 10 years and just doing tours and so to, sort of like I uh you know, I, I started like, I was getting corporate sponsors that were sponsoring my, my, my programming for some of my music festivals and my concerts. And so um, they started asking me to help them with little things here and there. Like, hey, Neil, we're doing this event in Montreal where like, 
uh, Chromio's DJing and uh, it's open bar, but we need to get 300 people out and we can't get them out. And I'm like, when's the event? Oh, it's in six weeks. And I'm like, okay, we'll pay you $10,000 to get us 300 people. Sold. To a free open bar party with Chromio DJing. I can do that. Yeah, that's fine. You that's fucker, why don't you call Blessed to do that? Yeah. I would have done it for two Gs. And <laughs> right? Because I, I got it done for free. Ah, uh, you bastard. <laughs> so, He's like, Blessed will do it for free. So, no, so like, I start to notice a bit of an opportunity there. Um, and what I learned is my actual um, mentor, um, who's from Montreal, who moved to Toronto, but then moved back to Montreal, Will Lewis. Mm. Don't know if you know Will Lewis, but he was the manager of Dome, who left that and went into the marketing world. And he was like the VP of a big marketing agency. Okay, cool. um, and now he's moved back to head up a tech company here in Montreal, right down the street here in the plateau. And so Will looks at me one day a few years ago, and I'm like, I'm like 30, 39 at the time. And he goes, what's your value proposition? I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> what's your value proposition? I go, what does that mean, man? He's like, do you know what your value is? I go, no. He goes, it's your network. He goes, your network is your value. He goes, there's a reason why corporate brands are calling you now to work with you. There's a reason why big agencies like mine want to work with you because you have a network. You have built up a network and that's what your value is. Mm -hmm. So it helped me realize my purpose. So what I did now is I took that understanding and I had already started to move into servicing corporate clients. And I started to, when it, it's like when you get to know yourself, you're like, okay, now I know myself. So I'd go in, I'd start selling me, my network, mm -hmm. to these corporate brands. Very, so very what smart. I do now is- Yeah, what are you offering them? So Substance Group now is basically a fully integrated marketing agency. Mm -hmm. I've totally gotten out of the entertainment music thing. Mm -hmm. um, I provide marketing campaigns um, and marketing support. Uh, for corporate clients across now North America, primarily Canada, but now it's bleeding into the US. And I've been fortunate enough to work with some of the biggest brands um, and to show you how it comes full circle to talking about network and bringing it back around. Right. Um, I, uh, the, the, the telltale moment for me where I really just said, this is my life now, like fuck entertainment, mm -hmm. was NBA All-Star Weekend in Toronto. I was there. So uh, do you know Mark and Carl and uh, Ernie? Ernie used to be at Echo and... Uh, uh, well, I know it? Carl, of course. Not Carl. Ernie did Sean John. Okay. And uh, and Mark has Rock Aware. Yeah. Okay. Weren't they all in the same building at one oh, point? Oh, Mark. I know Mark. Mark. Yeah, you know Mark. On Yes, didn't they all have a building together? No, not all those brands. When Rock Aware came here Rock on Chavanel, they had an office at a time. So, okay. So Mark and Ernie have Mitchell and Ness. They have Mitchell and Ness. And so they put me on with these guys in the U.S. from like the NBA and like champs out of the U.S. And they're like, Neil's our guy in Canada. Let him handle all our shit. Right. Next thing I know, I'm making more money than I ever imagined in one weekend for All-Star Weekend, putting all the All-Star Weekend mm, events together nice. with the NBA Mitchell Ness. So I was that like, was a great weekend. I'm like, this is what I'm doing from now on. And so for, for me, um, it's allowed me the ability to not have to travel as much. It allows me to be the ability to not risk my own money on my concert tours and stress out about if the artist is going to get over. Yeah. It's allowed me the ability to actually build a business and create a company and actually build the value Good for you. and hire the right staff. Like you said, man, like it's like now I'm not just hiring my homies or just hiring dudes who are going to hustle and handle flyers. It's right. like I'm handling people who have structure, who have right. understanding. A of background like, in whatever field you need them exactly. for. Exactly. So I'm doing these marketing campaigns and I love it. And I'm able to tap Good into my you, relationships dude. in the entertainment industry often. Like That's last amazing. night at Kiki Palmer, I booked something for the University of Ottawa. We reached out to people. Kiki came and did it. Nice. So I'm still tapping into my relationships I've established. Just Why? Those using are there. It on a Don, more Don C for Mitchell. Check this out. For, for All-Star Weekend. 
Mitchell and S has a collab with Don C. They were selling $500 hats, yeah, right? The Don C hats. The guys from Mitchell and S pissed off Don C. So Don wasn't coming. I called Don on the strength. And I go, look, man, don't worry about that. Don't worry about any of this. I'm in charge of this shit. The guy from Mitchell and S didn't mean to insult you, but he did. You got to come. I built this $200,000 pop-up shop. Your shit's featured all over it. I said, you and I go back 15 years. I need you to, I need I need you you to come. To he goes, I'm coming for you. Book nice. my shit. Nice. And so I, be, I went back to Mitchell Ness and said, I got you, Don. See, he's now coming after. He said no to you. So it's just, that's what I'm doing. Well, and then know, I I'm still- I'm so happy that, you know, and I think a lot of people watching this, younger cats especially, could learn that you, 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 you were in the trenches. You were consistent. And then finally, after 15 years plus, you finally found that niche and that sweet spot. And I think whether you're an artist, a producer, a promoter, uh, a marketing agency, it's all about finding that uh, niche for yourself. Well, I tell my, son, that you my son's 15 and he's all beating himself up about what he's going to do after high school and what you, I said, I said to me, his name is Nicholas. Time, homie. I'm like, man, you got time. Enjoy life. Like, enjoy your youth. Like I'm not putting pressure on you to get straight A's. I'm not putting pressure on you to even go to college or university right after school. Like you've got it good right now. Just enjoy yourself figure it and out. I'll help you and we'll figure it out together and we'll get there. That's great. But he's in, no, but he, not that I, I want to know now. I want I need to figure it out. Doesn't work well, like at least you. he's ambitious. Yeah. You know, he right. is like, I figured it out where I'm at. I'm in a good place. I've been able to do a lot of charitable work now. So I started another company called Substance Cares, which is just doing community social responsibility initiatives across Canada, which is why I'm doing my job fair across Canada for nice. autistic people. Oh. So I'm just on that path and I'm, I'm still got my gym. I'm in the MMA space with my gym out in Toronto. So I partnered with the Grant Brothers, opened the gym in Montreal, oh, wow. in Toronto. We since kind of parted ways with the brother Otis and, and Howard here. Right, but well, they're they're monster now, right? Yeah, they're in Monster Gym in West Island, and so but we we got our own thing going. So we've got that gym we've had for ten years. Me and our GR partners in that. So you know, I don't I don't dwell as dive into as much in the MMA space um, as I used to. This corporate stuff has just got me. It's That's paying the bills and it's satisfying. And it's 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 honestly it's lucrative. It's it's fun. And not only that, but it's finally an outlet where you can properly use all your contacts from. From you know the music, Dude, like business. I don't go out, like I don't go out on weekends. Like I'm in bed by 10, 11. In the summer, I'm not ashamed to admit this. I'm gardening, and people <laughs> are like, "What?" I'm like, "Dude, I was not home for fifteen years." Right. Yeah. Like now, I just you don't, enjoy the. Opposite. I'm antisocial. Like my daughter or my son the other day said, "You know, Dad, you're very antisocial when our friends come over. You're like you're you're not very nice and outgoing." And I'm like, "Yeah, I just I lost that." A lot. Not don't intentionally. You don't come back when you have a little bit of time to yourself and you realize how good gonna, you are. I'm going to come to town and pull you out of retirement. And no, but when I, come, when I kick it, like, you know and what you're I'm saying? Here like, and you're here now. When I'm here and I'm vibing. Very yeah, articulate. Yeah, yeah. Well, you definitely, know? Neil, salute to everything you've done for our culture, man. And Respect, brother. fucking your contributions to the scene are fucking legendary. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for sharing your story. Thank you so much for being here, my brother. I really appreciate it. And you are welcome back anytime. Please. And I'm not just saying that. Next time you're back in town, we'll do a little panel vibe or something. No, yeah. Get Romero and Ricky. Well, you know, all here, jokes. Right? We'll get Romero and Ricky. All three of you on the couch. We're not even saying a word. Like, you guys just and, go. And it's your podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Curated by us. Listen. <laughs> I like All that. All right? I'm down. Thank you for coming. Oh, thank you for having me, and thank oh. you for the kind words. And hey, and, and same to you guys, man. Respects for everything you've done and thank that you, you're man. doing and continue to thank do, Thank you man. so much. We'll continue to do it, man. We all do it for the same reason, because we love this hip-hop shit. This is the moment of truth. Thank you for tuning in. I'm your boy, Bless. My co-host, Lemmy, to the left. The one and only Neil Forrester Substance Group in the building. Thank you, sir. Thank you.